Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast here with a late night on Tuesday, April 25th, coming up on the draft season. My name is Tommy, and I'm here joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? All right, we're getting closer to closer to the draft, closer to finishing up this Rogers thing, which it's you're, you're selling practically it short, official. You're selling it's, it short. We are pretty much, and that's the reason we're here with you today. We were going to wait and do an episode post-draft. We even discussed doing a combo Rogers uh, draft thing on Sunday and just lumping them all together in our usually scheduled time. But we said, no, we're going to come here with a special episode, a slightly shorter one, one than usual, and just talk about the Rogers stuff because it is is the most important thing on the docket. It's been the most important thing for about a month and a half now. And Dad, It's been the, the most important thing on the NFL like news waves for like six weeks. Exactly. And Dad... And, and, and I should say that one reason why we we're going to lump all together is because I kind of expected it to happen during the draft. Exactly. But it is finally here. It is finally done. The terms of the trade are finalized as of yesterday. Still some nuts and bolts with the actual offic- officialness of it going through, but... But for all intents and purposes, it is done, and the compensation is public. This was first reporting by Adam, by Adam Schefter of ESPN on did NFL you, did Live. You, did you watch the video of I it did. and, and it the, the freeze frame of everybody's expressions, which is just amazing? That is going to be a meme used thousands of times now. I hope so, till the end of time. <laughs> but, Dad, the compensation, we're going to talk about this just to remind you. We're going to also be doing an episode on Sunday, like I said, covering the um, covering the draft, either Saturday or Sunday. We haven't quite decided yet, but post post all seven rounds of the draft, talking about all the picks, talking about all the players. We're really excited for that. We will keep you updated on when that episode is on our Twitter. If you want to give us a follow, at FatherSonPacker there. Tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, Packers news, like this Rogers news, quotes, etc., etc., etc. You can subscribe to us on all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, etc., etc. And find us on YouTube. We post all our episodes there as well, Father Son Packers Podcast on YouTube. Check us out in all those places. Subscribe to us in all those places. It'd really help our numbers. We would really appreciate it. But, Dad, let's talk about this Rogers trade because that's what we are here to do in this episode. Let's first talk about the compensation. There's a lot of talk here and there on the Internet. Oh, who has the leverage? Packers have the leverage. Jets have the leverage. Turns out, I would say, fairly fair deal. Let me read this leverage off. Let me read this compensation. This leverage off. (laughs) You can tell what's been on my mind. Let me read this compensation off to you, and then you can kind of give me your thoughts on the matter. So, the Jets get. Aaron Rodgers, big surprise there. The Packers' first-rounder, pick 15, and the Packers' uh, later of their two fifth-rounders, pick 170. Those are both in this draft. The Packers get the Jets' first-rounder this year, pick 13, so it's a 15-13 and swap. So the Packers move up two picks in this first round. The Jets' second-rounder this year, pick 42, the higher of their two second-rounders. So the Packers will have pick 42 from the Jets and then their own pick 45 um, in the second round. The Jets' sixth rounder this year in 2023, pick 207. And then a Jets' 2024 pick that is a second rounder with stipulations that it will move to a first rounder if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the offensive snaps for the Jets this year. And what that adds up to is around about 11 to 12 games on the year. So he could miss... Uh, five games and would still hit that incentive mark just so you know dad what were your thoughts on this compensation 
for me, at least, I thought it was a really good job by the Packers front office. I think overall, but that it was that it was much better, especially when you're considering what at least the Jets fans thought it should be. And and but I actually feel like overall, I think the the dra- the the trade figures out to be relatively fair. I think, and people talked about you know the hear the Jets fans, well we should they, we should have to give up almost nothing because they're dying to get rid of them. They can't keep them on there for the upcoming sixty million dollar bonus that's due before the 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 season starts but in some ways it's kind of interesting to look at the trend from what the thought was for the trade when it was first kind of announced that there's going to be a trade at all and how much of uh composition and then how much it shrank over the last six weeks at least on the Twitterverse, at least in social media, how much people thought it was going to be. And well, so you, this is much more than people thought at the end, but not as much as people thought at the beginning. Which but, I think it just, ends up, but this wasn't just Jets fans saying that it was going to be a marginal return. There was a lot of national media saying oh, that it yeah, was going to be a marginal yeah, return. Oh, it yeah. Was, it, was it was all over the – yeah. A lot of people were yeah, – and then a lot of people who feel like the – I would say the, the overwhelming opinion out there is that – the Packers did better than the Jets in this trade. Um, some people use the term fleeced. I don't know if that's quite fair, but the the so here's some important points. I think that for the for the Packers' perspective, they don't have to send any picks back, no matter what happens. That's that was the that's the biggest big thing, and that's the They're... that's the thing that I hated the most that people were floating out there as a possibility. For me, it's not just that they're not giving pits, picks back; it's that, but it's also that it has this trade has no. There's nothing to do with the second year with the Jets. There's no, yeah. this pick moves up if he stays in 2024. There's nothing like that where we're not going to have to do Rogers watch a whole nother year. <laughs> right. We this will be this able is... to sit back and relax and not follow Jets, not follow flight plans. We won't have to do any of that. Ooh, I think I saw Rob Domofsky tweet. Yes. something because because he did that, yes, i'm he not did. i i'm done following following flight plans yes but that's the biggest thing to me like you were saying no picks back and no nothing beyond this year it doesn't matter if he plays a second year and yeah. honestly i think that to tack on to that the biggest thing is 65 percent of games is nothing if he doesn't play 65 percent of games the Jets are not going to be good, and that's going to be a top fifty pick anyway. Right. So this is the way. If it does, if it doesn't reach that sixty five percent, it's going to right. It'll end up being like a, you know, somewhere in the first eight of the second round. Yeah, that's the thing. Is if he doesn't play sixty five percent of games, that means Zach Wilson's playing a lot of games. That means they're winning six games, which means that pick's going to be a top forty five pick. So pretty much, you have essentially like a pick that's going to end up between twenty and forty five. Next, year. that'd be my guess too. I think it's going to be if they do well and he plays sixty five percent, it's going to be because they don't have to be that much better than last year for the pick to be in the twenties. Yeah, it, it only takes like three games, and they would have been like pick twenty four this this year. It doesn't yeah. take that much from them to go from thirteen to twenty four, and so that's and then if he doesn't reach it, it's going to be really early in the second round. Yeah. Exactly. And so that, I think, is the biggest thing for me. The other thing is, uh, is there anything you wanted to talk about with that pick next year? Because I think it's pretty cut and dry. The Packers did really well to not have that stipulation matter on Rodgers playing time yeah. in 2024. And, and there, there are no 
team performance. Yeah, that's um, another one. It's metrics the... and no even actual Rogers personal performance. It's just yeah. he has to play it's a, enough snaps to play. It's pretty doesn't much matter just... how well he plays. It doesn't matter how well the team plays. Well, that's the thing is like host a home playoff game was something that was thrown out there by a lot of people. Win the division was something that was thrown out there by a lot of people. And I'm like those are not super likely to confer because their division is insane. They have the Bills, who are a perennial powerhouse in the AFC, and then the Dolphins, who are trending up in the AFC. And then it'd be a dogfight, essentially, in that division. And so I would say if the stipulation was they need to win their division or have a home playoff game, that I would feel a lot less confident about that conferring. But it's... These are, these are people who, who uh, like to consider um, QB wins a stat, I guess. Yeah. And it's, but it's like 65% of games played. I mean, I think that's very reasonable for both sides. It's like, hey, if he doesn't get hurt slash doesn't retire halfway through the year randomly, which, you know, could happen. <laughs> it's not. I went on another. I saw. During the bye week, I went on another retreat. And you know what? I'm back to, I, I'm, I'm at 100% retired now instead of 90. Well, we were talking about the parallels between him and Zava and Ted Lasso. And I don't know if you saw. Spoilers, <laughs> listeners. Zava retires after like one of the episodes. He just retires. Just in the middle of the season, right? Yep, just the middle of the season. Um, the other interesting thing for me, though, Dad, in this draft do you want to talk at all about the next pick? Because I want to talk about that 15-13 swap. Because I don't know if you saw this, but Joe Douglas said today uh, in his presser that that was the thing that essentially got it over the line. Was That was the last thing they included was that 13-15 swap. I did not see the Joe Douglas thing. I had seen, and I'm sure you had, and I can't remember who had put it out there. Maybe you remember who tweeted this about that uh, the 13-15 swap is tied to Packers' interest in... Jackson Smith and Jigba. That was Tony Pauline who had that one. Tony Pauline. Okay, I couldn't remember who it was. And there are other implications to having thirteen instead of fifteen. I think that make it um, well, valuable. The number would say they jump well, over the Patriots who desperately need a receiver. Yep. And an offensive line, and and Jets who could also do an offensive line. It gets them closer to trading up ahead of other teams who might also take him, like the Titans or the. Um, you could would, see the Texans taking them, maybe, or maybe the Texans. That yep. it would only take like a third to move up from thirteen to like ten or nine. They're not to, moving up to nine, Dad. I'm going to tell. I you know right who's. Now. I know who's got nine, and they're so not, they're, they're not, not going to get any assistance. They're not getting assistance from nine, so more likely to trade up to eight than nine. Dear listeners, <laughs> the Chicago Bears are picking at nine. They are not trading down with the Packers. That's just but not I think it's happen. possible they trade up. Then if um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is still there at ten. Now they could trade with the Eagles yes. to move up. I and I would I would want them to. I, I that's my suspicion is that they won't wait. They'll say, "Okay, we're not going to risk it. We're just going to go get them, and we're going to dump." You might even be able to get them. I forget. I looked at this before. If it was a third or a fourth, that would get in terms of the points values. We could talk a little bit about various points values, such. Um, well, as well, well but that's one of the one of the first implications is what you do with the other thing about thirteen. It's a little closer that if somebody slides that another team really wants, well, you're let's... more likely to get that at 13 than 15 and be able to get a bigger deal than you otherwise would based on normal trade values. Well, let's talk a little bit about the overall aggregate value of this trade on the whole. We went over it earlier. It's a lot of swaps. It's uh, essentially 
a second and a first next a probably first next year is the meat of the trade and then the swap at 15 and 13 and the swap of fifth and sixth can in some ways be seen as a wash although it leans packers way in the aggregate based on the jimmy johnson trade chart this trade i think if i did the math correctly which hopefully i did um is around two mid 20-ish picks like 25-ish oh if you combine them Um, if you combine if you do if you do all the addition of the picks the packers got and all the subtractions of the picture uh picks the patch picks the packers gave away there we go it turns out to about two mid 20-ish picks or around the seventh overall pick and then something interesting i that depends on how much where you think that uh 2024 will be yeah this was based on the 2024 pick being around like a mid 20-ish pick yeah, uh, I, I, I did some calculations pick. just based on what the 2023 net gain is, and then plus whatever the 2024 pick is. Yes, and then there was a piece of interesting news, I believe it was. Uh, let me see if I can just find it very quickly. Um, did you want to say anything more about the aggregate? Well, ah, here. Well, I could I... talk about like the 2023 values solo while you look that up. So I'd looked at three different charts that I think are some of the most common. There's the Jimmy Johnson chart that's been around the longest and people use a lot. The Rich Hill trade chart gets referenced a lot. And then there's a Fitzgerald Spielberger chart, which I think maybe one of like over the cap or site like that uses. So I I do have something from uh, Jason OT at Jason underscore OTC, who is over the cap and PFF Brad. And they have a little calculation that they did that I can talk about after you're done. Um, so, So what I had for the Jimmy Johnson trade is that the net gain in the 2023 draft is the equivalent of the 34th pick this year. Mm-hmm. On the Rich Hill trade chart, I should say, the net gain this year is the 38th pick. And But by the Fitzgerald Spielberger chart, where they have more value on late picks than early picks, or the, the difference, I should say that gap from fifth to sixth is actually taking more. That actually being like the 44th pick, a little bit less than what they actually got in the second. So some of the charts have... have uh, the first round and the difference between first round picks by moving a couple spots is bigger than the um, whatever they move thirty seven spots back in mm-hmm. uh, going and from the, five yeah, to six. Five to six. So they move up two in the first round and move up thirty seven, move back thirty seven spots from five to six. And so some charts weigh those a little bit differently. So that that so so most of those are usually like a really early second round by value. And plus next year's, which we think is likely to be the first. One thing I was just saying, it's kind of very similar in that way to like the Adams trade. Mm-hmm. No, I see they, what you're saying. The first and, and the second. And what I was going to reference is, this was a tweet by, um, I believe it's Nick Court is how it's pronounced, at N-I-C-K-K-O-R-T-E on Twitter. Uh, and he tweeted, according to at Jason OTC and at PFF Brad chart, the Jets would give up at least the equivalent of the seventh overall pick. That's without mm-hmm. it conveying at this least. Is like, this is without the second conveying to a first. This is according to their chart. It would shoot so up that, to that, the equivalent. It would shoot up to the equivalent of the third overall pick if the conditional twenty twenty four second is upgraded to a first. And obviously, this is just a set of people's um, trade charts. I think a lot of trade charts are in flux right now because it seems like every year we get this different type of blockbuster trade, like moving the the. Niners moving from 12 to three was worth three first the other year. And then it, it really does seem to depend on who's at the, on the board and how much a team is willing to pay really. Um, so it, I, it, I think does so. seem harder, it seems harder than ever to create a true trade chart. Um, and obviously it seems like the Jimmy Johnson one is going a little bit by the wayside, but 
by all intents and purposes, it does seem like the Jets are at least giving up the equivalent of a top 10 pick for Rodgers or I've- two mid-20 picks. I think that seems likely that's like going to be that equivalent because I think likely this yeah and for um, for people next not year's familiar, pick will be for, like a for people not familiar for people not familiar with it what we're talking about is essentially the way people think about trades in this manner is you'll have a list of picks and they'll be assigned essentially a point value like the first overall pick is worth this very large amount of points and then it's slowly decreasing and it's not a linear de- decreasing it's kind of a a drop off. Um, ever so faster and faster and faster, and then it kind of evens out at the bottom. Um, And essentially, the idea is just that the Packers, in the aggregate, are getting the equivalent of these picks um, based on the amount they brought in and gave away in terms of, like, the point equivalencies. Um, But, Dad, I want to wrap it back to our talk about the 15 and 13 uh, swap because I think that is a part of this trade that is very interesting and opens up some conversation. Um, I believe... It was Justice Mosqueda and I think Tyler Brooks. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. I want to check really quick. But they were positing the idea that the Packers are moving up from 15 to 13. Not so much because they were interested in a receiver like Tony Pauline said in Justice, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. But rather that they were very in on this tackle class. Uh, what What do you think about that? I think I did hear them talk about the, that they would then likely or have a decent chance of getting the first pick of tackles um, or one of the top three. There's going to be yes. a run of tackles somewhere, I think, in the early tweet, early teens. I 100% agree. And here's the thing. Now, do, I am not so sure, and in part because Goody said things like, we have 13 offensive linemen. That is true. He did say and that. And some, uh, somehow dismissing the idea that it's a need. That he that he uh, did, is something I would say. He did explicitly point out the depth of their offensive line room, and I would like ag- agree with that. I think they have a very talented offensive line room right now. It is aging in some ways. There are places that could be improved, but it certainly I would say is not a need, especially if they think that Nyman can play right tackle at a high level this coming year. And even if he can't, I think Zach Tom has shown enough where he could step into that spot and excel in his second year. Yeah, I would say. It's it's not a hole on the roster right now, but it is a possible need in two years, depending on mm-hmm. what happens with Bakhtiari. So it would save $20 million if they don't have him on the team in 2024. But yep. here's all the questions. Like, people look at that $40 million cap hit and the $20 million savings. I think the way you really need to look at cap hits and dead money, can you get a player as good for the amount of cap savings you get. Well, there's the thing is if they, if Paris Johnson is there at 13. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, so the, the discussions I've heard moving from 15 to 13 gives you two things. The one that's talked about a lot is it jumps the Patriots because they seem to be very in on wanting a receiver. Their receiver room is pretty weak. Baron. I mean, they do have worse Juju. than they have, I would say their 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 receiver room is worse than the Packers. Yeah, that's arguable. I w- I would agree. Uh, if Christian Watson is what we think he can be, I think right. he's better than anyone in either of those rooms. But I would say Juju is the second best receiver in either of those rooms. Um, but besides, but I would that, say the Packers' second receiver is better than the Patriots' second receiver. But anyway, <laughs> continuing along, 
The other thing it does that a lot of people have talked about, but not quite as many, is that the Jets are big players to go tackle. And swapping with them gets you ahead of them and essentially gives you essentially one more team that you're ahead of for the tackle market. And, and, and the I Patriots would argue, could be the tackle market as well. This is true. But I would argue that if you're at 15, you're probably getting the third or fourth, probably the fourth tackle. If you're at 13, you might get the second or third. Yeah. And so to me, it comes down to, I think it does both of these things. I think if Jackson Smith and Jigba is there, you should take him 100% of the time. I do too. But if he's not, it gives you some very nice tackles to, be, to choose from between Darnell Wright of Tennessee, Paris Johnson Jr. of Ohio State. It's seeming like Skaronsky is not going to be there. I would guess that Paris Johnson is also not going to be there because I don't know if you saw, I was listening to, I think it was, it was one of the Ringer podcasts. They were saying that, Paris Johnson and I believe Skaronsky, Vegas doesn't even have odds on them going top ten. You can't even bet on it. You can't even oh, because they them think it's so likely because it's they think it, the Vegas thinks it's a lock. You can only bet against it because because you can bet against it if you want. <laughs> you want to give us your lock. money, but no, I no they don't even they don't even have like you can't bet on them going. It's top not a 10. it's not a not a bettable. Yeah, um, that line's not even there because they think it's a lock, and so it would probably be Darnell Wright, which. I would love I've heard but. some disturbing things of Darnell Wright. I, okay, some, I don't want to speculate. But I don't know. Yeah. But 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 there, it could be that they're after um, uh, Broderick Jones. Could be, but I don't think they would have to. That, that wouldn't be the impetus to move up to 15. Like, would you really? Well, Darnell Wright's supposed to go even later. He's supposed to be number four, right? I've I've seen him. I've seen him three. Okay, because I was thinking he was uh, typically the fourth lineman, not the I've third. seen those two flip-flopped a lot. Okay. And I, 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 I have also heard what you mentioned is, well, I have only heard, I don't want to speculate. So let's not speculate in this podcast because we don't have any insider information. We only have what we're hearing from sources that, not sources, from people with sources that we hear. But I have heard that some teams uh, do have, I do have some off the field concerns with Wright. Um, but the Packers did have him in for a visit. They went to Tennessee to watch him during the pro day. These yep. are all things they that spent are... a lot of time with Tennessee. Yeah, they did. If they do all this to pick Hyatt at thirteen, I'd be a little surprised, though. That would surprise me, or right. or 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 Hooker. Don't don't put that out there. <laughs> don't put that out there in the universe. If they pick a quarterback at thirteen, I'm going to scream. Yep. Even if it's Anthony Richardson, even if it's Anthony Richardson, I would not be happy. There's there. I don't think there's a single quarterback they could take actually in this draft where I would be okay with it. You gotta give love a chance. We're not. We're not. You know what? We're not going down this rabbit hole now. We're not doing it. Um, yeah. Let's. So it, so let's just say if they pick right, then they're happy with what they learned meeting him in person. That's true. And there were similar questions about Devontae Wyatt last year, and the Packers picked him. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I was hearing some people talk about that actually recently in the, in the context of of uh, um, a, a couple not not just right, but a couple of players. They're yep. talking about uh, the, the right having some people and having so, some, some people having concerns. Just as a reference, it seems like the Packers, if they are comfortable with their own evaluation of the situation, that they are willing to take players that may have questionable off-the-field concerns. One thing that's, I think, abundantly clear is the Packers trust their own evaluations and boards more than consen- more than they trust the consensus. You don't say. And it, it doesn't always work out. Nope. No, it does not. 
But Dad, let's talk a little bit about. Let's but, close oh, up well, here. There's, well, let's, want, well, there's one more thing I wanted to say we about wanted that. To talk oh, about the, oh, go ahead. But I would like to say if they're at my personal preference is if um, Smith and Jigba is not on the board. You're going to say trade, trade down, but it's not. You need a you need a dance partner. It kind of depends who's there. There might be somebody who'd be willing to trade up for one of those tackles. Or one of those corners. I mean, if a quarterback is there, I'm calling Tampa Bay, and I'm like, hey, let's be or serious Or Washington. Here. Or Washington. Washington could still get Hooker at 16. And? Here's the thing with Washington. It's kind of a cluster with the new ownership thing. It is true. It is true that oftentimes new ownership wants to make a splash. You look cross sport you look at matt ishbia with the phoenix suns first thing he does in the first week he buys the team trades for kevin durant you see things like this all the time you look at um uh was it tepper when he bought the panthers um oh what i guess they didn't necessarily make a splash they just went and started trying to make the thing go right away by getting vets in the quarterback room so it's a slightly different thing but they want to win quickly if you're buying a team here's the thing though do you want to talk a little bit about this restructure thing? Because I don't really know what's going on with it. We could talk about it, and I'm not sure either. So the report was oh, yeah, for, a couple things for about people not clear on this. This was reported by Pelissero of NFL Network. Do you want to take yeah, it away? But uh, well, there's there's a little bit that's going on. I think that we should also set up the context. So we were thinking that this trade might go down right before the draft or even during. Yeah, but even it turns on Friday, out during day two, we thought maybe. Right, like in time for the the um, second round picks, but it turns out that the Packers and Rodgers are signing a reworked contract of some kind, and when that's done, there has to be a twenty four hour period after signing a new contract before the trade can happen. So, in order for these first for these first round picks to happen, that trade needs to go through soon. I mean that 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 new contract has to be signed soon, and then have the period so that the trade can then go through ahead of the draft so that the it's, Packers can use one of those, use that pick on Thursday. Essentially, and so with, that's, essentially with the way the trade went, they did it on the last possible day they could actually do it if they're going to do this restructure and have it in time for the picks that they're swapping. They did it on the last possible day they could. I think they, well, I think they announced it a little earlier than they could have. They, so... They it has to go to through trade. the office. They agree to the trade on Monday. On Tuesday, he signs a new contract. It has to go 24 hours to like Wednesday night, and then they trade him on Thursday before the draft starts. Oh, officially. maybe they. I was thinking they could trade as soon as the 24 hours is up. Who's working that but, late? <laughs> <laughs> not, not the NFL league office. <laughs> no, Four o'clock. They're not putting that button. Not, no one's hitting that button at two in the Time morning. Time to hit, uh, you know, whatever club they're they're going to. No one's no one's responding to that fax at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> the fax is just rolling on the floor in um, commissioner yeah, in the commissioner's just, office. It's just waiting there. Someone will get to it. It's in the inbox. But no, but let's um, let's talk a little bit because it doesn't really make sense what Pelissero right. said. He, he said that because this this whole dance that the Packers are restructuring Rodgers' contract to make the quarterback hit more palatable for Green Bay in 2023, which, as we understand the contract, and as many people around the league understand the contract, including Ken Ingles, who does a lot of great work on Twitter with the Packers cap. 
shouldn't be possible based on our understanding of the contract because essentially, as the Packers trade him, trade Aaron Rodgers, they would be due... It's going to hit $40 million on their cap. The thing about that $40 million is they've already paid him that money in bonuses, signing bonus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That money is already in Aaron Rodgers' bank account. It's just a cap hit for this year. And there's no real movement that, as we understand the contract is structured, can actually be made. And so maybe in the next 12 hours, we'll learn a little bit about what's actually going on here. If Pelissero misspoke and it's actually some cap relief for the Jets, because we also heard from Ian Rappaport that the Packers will not be taking on any additional money. So we're not entirely sure what's going on there, but we figured we'd at least pass along this information to you, good listener, whatever that means. Right. So this is the thing that it's kind of hard to envision because when, when a player is traded, all the money that's already been paid has to come on the cap immediately as opposed to, um, you know, so what's happened is I think Roger's been restructured. He's got bonuses. And when player gets a bonus, signing bonus, roster bonus, those get spread out over evenly over all the years of the contract. So if somebody gets $50 million on a $5 million, a $50 million bonus on a five-year contract, that's $10 million per year. But that money's already been paid in year one. It just didn't go on the cap in year one. Then if somebody's traded in year two, after two years, those last $30 million have to go on the cap immediately. There's $10 yeah. million each of the first two years. Then the last 30 it's already been paid. You can't reduce it because it's already gone. And then it just goes on the cap. And that's what we think is all of this $40 million. Why? And that's why Roger's cap hit was going to go up from $30 million without being traded to 40 million this year being traded because the money that he's already been paid has to come due immediately and can't be put off another year. Mm -hmm. And his salary purportedly for this year is only 1.165 million. And the salary and the cap hit for the jets is only going to be 15 million this year. It's like people talk about the jets taking all this money. It's a bargain. It's costing them. They're paying a it's lot of gonna, cash. It's going to cost them cash. But I think Woody Johnson can handle it. Yeah. It's, so, it's a drop in the bucket. And, and, and it'll be more cap hit in the future. Um, but if he actually ends up retiring as a Jet, whatever, then they can spread that out later. They can figure that out later. Um, but it's not actually that onerous a cap hit for this year so i don't so it's a little funny what's going on and and so i'm going to be very interested in seeing exactly what the details are when this this comes out um to see what they actually changed um in this um adjusted contract yeah and we'll be keeping track of that and you can check we'll be tweeting it out at father son packer on twitter we'll be tweeting out when we have news about what that restructure might be dad let's wrap it up here because this was just going to be a little bit of a bonus episode we are going a little (laughs) long now but just last thing of course we do of course, we always do. Just last thing I want to say, you know, for Rodgers, it's been a hell of a ride in Green Bay. Longest tenured quarterback in Green Bay Packers history. Uh, four-time MVP. I don't even remember how many time All-Pro. I have. Who even cares how many time Pro Bowl? But it's been a hell of a ride. Super Bowl champion. I yeah. mean, wish him nothing but the best in, for the Jets. Um, going to be rooting for against them. A I'm going to be rooting for you to start at least and play at least 12 games. Hey, I'm going to be rooting for him to play a bunch of games, stay healthy, play well, and the Jets be bad. That's that's how I'm going to stand it. I'll Rodgers is as Mark Murphy so elegantly put it. He's a complicated fella, but you know, 
it was a good yeah. ride having him in Green Bay. That was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. basically, you could enjoy almost all season long. But for you go most into, of the last 15 years as a, as a, as a starter. As I heard some several Jets media members say, you go into any game knowing that you can win that game. Yeah. The quarterback you always got a chance. You always got a chance. And, and uh, just a little bit, little nugget. He's, he's already on his way to New York and is going to be doing a press conference yep. for the Jets. His first tomorrow. one, two Eastern on thir- on uh, Wednesday. Yep. And so we'll be tweeting out about that. Any nuggets that he might have about Green Bay. He also uh, put out, I don't know if you saw on Instagram, a very heartfelt goodbye to Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, a lot of people were commenting on that. Uh, thanked people in the building at every level. Um, yeah. As, past as, and present. You know, I'm going to miss him and, you know, going to be excited to welcome him back when Packers eventually retire his number, um, which is going to be exciting. And we'll be tweeting out pretty much all Packers related news. There'll be a little less to cover now that this Rogers thing seems to be going on now after about a month and a half of it. Um, yep. But if you want to come follow what we got there, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. Come subscribe to us. We'll be having an episode after the draft talking about all the Packers draft picks, everything you need to know about every single pick in the draft. Dad, I know you are ready. You are so psyched for these day three prospects. Uh, <laughs> I like yes. I like mining I like mining the late the late rounds for gems. And oh, yeah. sometimes the last few years the Packers have picked one or more of them in every draft that I've been picking up that I've been looking at in day three. Yep, it's exciting, and we're excited for Thursday. We know you are. Come give us a follow on all all podcast platforms. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.